you're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. All right. Where did we leave off, boys? We left off March the 8th, Sunday. That was our last episode. And, you know, at that stage, we had about, what, three or four spring practices in the books. We knew at that stage that Master Teague had an Achilles injury, and we were all kind of opining on what was going to happen with the running game. We had one healthy scholarship running back available for spring practices. That was Steel Chambers. Marcus Crowley was still... Uh, recovering what has since been reported uh, as an ACL injury. Of course, there's no official report on that, but the word around the campfire is that it is an ACL. Um, and uh, and then we had what? Uh, Got to get one of our sponsors in there, Diet Coke. <laughs> and um, yeah, we also we also established the the Bell Pre Daily Beast as being the authority of breaking new Buckeye news. <laughs> new Buckeye news. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we were talking about. The, the big question mark was the running was the run game. That's what I remember from that podcast, right. uh, from that particular podcast. We talked a little bit about the defensive line and and the defense and the open positions on on, on that side of the ball, um, and uh, and then we ended the podcast talking about the Big Ten tournament and Ohio State men's hoops, you know, prospects in March. And then three days later, my company issued a mandatory work from home policy because of COVID-19, obviously. My last day in the office was March 11th, and I've been working from home ever since. And then, of course, the entire sports world changed as a result of that. You know, the conference tournaments were canceled, and then shortly thereafter, the, uh, you know, the big dance, the NCAA tournament was canceled, and the NBA postponed, Major League Baseball postponed, and on and on. So I think that brings us to the first real, you know, the first topic here, which is, you know, like, let's just start with the bad news, and then we'll move on to hopefully what's the, the good news, uh, is the impact of COVID-19 on the 2020 season. And wow. the big question I think we're all pondering is, will there be a season um, or will there be a truncated season? Um, I know I was listening to the, um, the Audible with Stuart Mandel and uh, Bruce Feldman on The Athletic, and uh, they were talking about a recent conference call with uh, Vice President Mike Pence the 10 FPS, uh, FBS conference commissioners, Notre Dame's AD and Bill Hancock, uh, about the COVID-19 impact on the 2020 season. The overwhelming sentiment among that group was that until students are allowed back on ca- campus and college football players are students, there'll, there'll be no games. Uh, if, it's, if it's not safe for the general student body to be on campus or for large crowds to assemble in stadiums, you certainly can't ask unpaid amateur athletes to compete in a contact sport like football. You know, so I, I know certainly that was Gene Smith's um, kind of his feeling was like, you know, because there was this this idea put forth. Well, OK, well, maybe we play these these games without fans in the stands. And Smith was like, well, look, if it's too dangerous for fans to assemble in the stands, then it's too dangerous for for kids to play a contact sport like football. Um so I guess we'll see. Nobody really knows. Um, we're still, as you guys know, uh, you know, trying to contain the, the outbreak of this virus. And until we do, um, I think we're not really going to know whether there'll be a season. Uh, and, then the, and then 
once it is contained and they it's better safe, have enough uh, antidepressants like ready to go yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> well if it is contained i think the second question is will there be enough time for uh, college programs to prepare for the coming season. I, I heard in a recent uh, interview with Ryan Day on ESPN, he feels he needs six weeks to prepare his team yeah, I saw for a season, right? Um, there's, there was a really good piece on The Athletic by Nicole Arbach um, talking about the, you know, the return of college football post-COVID-19. Uh, and she quoted the NCAA's chief medical officer. His name's uh, Brian Hainline. Um, and uh, Haylines of the belief that four to six weeks minimum of preseason practice and conditioning is is required in order to mitigate the risk of injuries. Uh, there was a really interesting quote uh, from him. He said it would mean that you've reached a certain level of fitness just from a strength and conditioning point of view. And that's going to require that there be certain sorts of fitness testing that's done. I'm quoting Hainline now. Uh, the, that ranges from functional testing so that you know you're really uh, using the kinetic chain part of your body properly to the ability to do repetitive sprints and to be able to recover. It's not just about what you can do, but the degree to which your body can recover. Uh, that's a very important part of it, Hainline says. So when we are able to return, will there be enough time for college programs to to practice and condition? You know, right now you've got these athletes at home, right? They're doing... But they're working in their parents' basements, right, or in their backyards. They don't have access to the state-of-the-art, you know, exercise facilities like you would have at the Woody Hayes. Um, so that's kind of where we, we stand right now with COVID-19. Paige, I want to get your take uh, just based on what you've read and kind of your overall feeling. Are we going to have a 2020 season, do you think? I wonder about – so – I don't, I don't think there's any way that anybody can answer that. But what, what interests me is who's to say that there's there's going to be any universal decision whether or not we do it. So, if, for instance, what if the SEC just says, fuck it, we're playing games? Yeah. Right. And the Big Ten says we're not playing games or Division One versus Division Two. Um, and I wonder, because now, you know, like when you look at the bigger picture of what's going on across the country, right? I mean, it's all falling down to individual states. Who's going to be open? Who's not going to be open? Mm -hmm. um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I seriously doubt the NC2A legitimately has any <coughs> judicial power to say whether or not we have a season. So then it falls to what? Individual commissioners? Yep. Then it falls to school individual schools, yeah, yeah, yeah. presidents, and the money. And right, so we all know this is all about the money, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and not to trivialize that, it's super important for all the the different athletic departments. But I can totally envision a scenario where maybe some conferences are not doing the same thing as other conferences. And this is something that I've read, you know, in other articles way before the COVID-19 is that college football or college athletics would really benefit greatly from a, a commissioner, mm -hmm. right? Like in the NFL, because as much power as the NFL owners have, Goodell really is the one that ultimately makes the decision. Uh, obviously, he does that with all of with their a couple envelopes from uh, Jerry Jones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever, whatever Robert, you know. Yeah, wants wants done gets done, but I can totally see that scenario. And so, 
you know, then going back big picture, I don't see a season. I just, I, I mean, I'm looking at your backgrounds. That is not fucking possible. You're not putting a hundred thousand people in stadiums anytime soon. And I don't think people would want to do that. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Put 5,000 people in a stadium, play them without yeah. games. And then the other thing I think about, and this is what, uh, you know, I, We'll suck. It, I've said this before in a text. If, if I'm Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, you know, one of these top, top guys, and you you hand me this whatever abbreviated season or something, you know, we're only going to do six games, I'm out. I'm not risking it. Why would I even remotely play this year? Mm. And I'll bet you a dollar to donut. We'll never see Justin Fields take another snap for the Buckeyes. Wow. That's, leave it with that. that's your feeling right now. That yeah. Whoa, dude. Wow. dude. Why would you play? Why would you play if you're Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? You're the one, two picks in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. I think Fields will come back like for the next year instead of doing that. Yeah. So, so, so all right, no Chad, let me, let me get your take on what Paige has said. Where do you stand? Do you, do you think we're going to have a 2020 season? Is it going to be? I believe we are going to have a 2020 season. All right. And, I, whether it's going to be starting this fall or they're going to have a season where they've talked about a couple of scenarios where it starts, uh, I think, in like March and runs through the spring. Um, but there's no way. Like Paige, like mentioned earlier, it's all about the fucking Benjamins. And there's no way they let college football go. I mean, that's hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think things are going to be like, you know, 100,000 people, the, you know, the society's going to loosen up that much to where that that's going to be feasible by, you know, the second or third weekend of August. I mean, I really hope and pray that it will be, but uh, I doubt a bit. I mean, they, they've got to play college football. And, you know, part of that, I guess, is just me being, you know, the diehard Buckeye fan I am, you know, I mean, in all reality, you know, probably not. Um, so I say yes as uh, being very selfish. Uh, but like, you know, in reality, you just, you know, who knows? I, mean, so I, think, thing, I think things are going to like, like, once we get into June, you know what I mean? Uh, when is the, you know, when is the day that they have to say, hey, listen, we've got to make a decision well, that's, by that's a good question. July 4th or because if you want, if you have six, four to six weeks, it's got to be, you know, the first couple of weeks of June, right? I mean. I would think. So generally speaking, the uh, fall camps for most programs start in like late July, maybe early August. It's usually a, a solid month of fall practices. Um, so I would think the cutoff certainly would have to be like, I don't know, the latest would be mid July, maybe early July. Um, that's a good question. What's the cutoff? What's the cutoff for, uh, a whole season, right? Where the, where they would play the entire 12 game regular season probably somewhere early to mid-July. And then what's the cutoff for a truncated season where maybe they eliminate, we eliminate the non-conference and just play nine conference games. Uh, That's probably- I would be fine with that, Uh, but I'm I'm not fine with like a six game. I mean, just, just, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I would think, and Paige, to your point, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Would top prospects, uh, what's the cutoff for them in in terms of number of games? I, I tend to agree with you if it's like a six game schedule. 
you know, I would, I could certainly see, uh, you know, the likes of Fields and Lawrence and, and other players that are going to be top prospects, top draft picks, uh, just, you know, sitting it out. But I think if you, if you can play a full conference schedule, plus a conference title game and, you know, a bowl season and then a playoff season, uh, you know, a, a, a playoff schedule, I, I would think most of the top prospects would probably still go for that. Um, I, I'm hoping at least that's what we get. Um, but I, I don't know. Nobody really knows. I mean, I think a lot of it hinges on whether they can come up with a vaccine. I don't know how realistic it, that is between now and, you know, early July. Oh, yeah, that's that's year. That's at least a year off, they're saying. So, yeah, yeah, certainly more testings in order. Um, I know Michael Drake was saying that he felt games could be played without fans in the stands. There is a scenario. I, uh, Fauci was talking about this as well, not not necessarily uh, relative to college football, but other sports where, you know, the players basically would have to be on lockdown uh, leading up to the game, which they kind of already are, but they would really have to be monitored and on lockdown. There would be like testing right up until kickoff, and then the games would be played in empty stadiums. Um, yeah, I, I I've read. Uh something about like MLB um, and Mike Trout, who is a very, very not outspoken person. He was like, so you're telling me, you know, Arizona is nice, whatever, yada, but uh, going to be locked down in a hotel. Once I go to the game, my, my wife's about to have a baby. I can't be around my family. I can't leave. I'm just basically go out to the, you know, spring training facility and play a baseball game. And I have to come back to my hotel. I mean, like, yeah, what right. kind of life is that? You know what I mean? I, totally. Well, not only that, I mean, first of all, they're professional. Second, they play 162 regular season games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's, I think the scenario that Fauci described that we're talking about is much more realistic with college students when you're playing only 12 regular season games. Right. You could probably get away with that. Um, and then certainly, you know, we're talking about the money involved. There's a lot of money involved in broadcast rights. Um, and college programs would certainly be up for recouping that, I would assume. I mean, if, if they're, they're forfeiting ticket sales, concessions, all that stuff that you get day of the game, at least you would get television revenue. I don't know. Paige, what do you think? And again, you know, looking back when this thing first started, nobody could have ever in a million years imagined they would cancel the NC2A basketball tournament. Yeah. Right. Right. How much revenue is that? Was well, billion dollars? Guess what? It is gone. It is not coming back. They're not rescheduling it. And you know, follow the money. Yeah, the Benjamins. It's very important to all the athletic departments. Guess what? They just pick up the phone and they call Uncle Nan or you know Aunt Nancy and Uncle Donald and say, Hey, we need a bailout. We right. need the money. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. There's no way I can envision a scenario, especially without professional sports. If professional sports don't come back and then you're going to compromise amateur athletes yeah i mean it, it's I it's not happening i mean think of like the uh premier league english premier they're not playing games how much revenue is lost for that mm -hmm. i mean th th that league's you know got to be a, a few i don't know what the number is right insane um, they're paying guys like you know yeah those do. guys are yeah what are you going to do and i think that uh, colleges will be much more uh, able to recoup money from the federal government than professional sports leagues. And that's what they're going to ultimately have to do because otherwise then just college athletics, as we know it, if they didn't get that money 
would cease to exist without football, but they'll just get money like everybody else. Hmm. It's a $5 trillion bailout when you think about this, you know, all the <laughs> ramifications downstream. Unless something miraculous happens, you know, um, I, I just don't see how you put amateur athletes at risk at any stage. I mean, yeah, bad luck. I don't want to put on my, my, my Gallagher mainstream media, but oh my God, could you imagine the outcry oh, if we yeah. did that? It would just be unless. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, there would have, so but between now and then, in order for, for the college season to proceed, um, I think we would first need to see baseball uh, come back as kind of a trial, right? And see, I, so, so the, the, the proposal for baseball is all the games are played in Arizona. The, rather than sitting in dugouts, the players would sit in the stands six feet apart from each other. I, you know, that's, a, that's a game that isn't nearly the contact sport, of course, that football is. But baseball would be one one example. Uh, what other sports that we would have going on? See, not, none, of them really, have, none of them really compare to football. The NBA, the NBA yeah. yeah. So if the NBA comes back and they're able to successfully pull this off, that would probably be the te the test model for for college football and the NFL then to come back uh, or to you know start play again. So. But, yeah. but with the NBA, then you're thinking of what a roster of 12, a total staff of 20. What's right. the total staff for a football team? Yeah. 200, yeah. 250. Well, at least. And then you, yeah. you know, release them back into, you know, their families and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, know what's going to happen? I, I think I like what's crazy. And this is like to going away from football. But, you know, everybody, you got these assholes out there protesting like with Trump, like, oh, you got a loose restriction. And I get it. Like some of these people that, like, you know, they, they can't, they don't have supplemental income and things like that. But I feel like people are just going to rush out to like, you know, like those Florida beaches, they're opening up again. I mean, mm -hmm. what the, you know what I mean? And then it's just going to like, you know, because they're, they're finding in like South Korea and shit, you know, like in China, the people that have already had it and recovered are getting it again. And yeah. it just, you know, like that's, I feel that's what's going to happen. And yeah, uh, well, just, yeah, the, the rule, the I, I, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Paige. I agree not to get off topic of what this is all about, but just in the past four days of all the myriad of different people you talk to, friends, coworkers, I feel the dam is breaking. Pe people are, 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 I don't know if they're getting fed up, but there is, a, to me, a groundswell where right or wrong, there's things are going to start to open back up and and then who knows it'll be a second you know, wave be okay yeah. yeah you get that second wave but it just feels to me like people are you know really now starting to feel the stress and the other thing is you know like you said chad there's so many people out there that don't have a paycheck that you know look at this differently but then are they doing this one? it is so bloody complicated it's yeah just, it is it's it is i was reading a piece that Stuart mandel shared it was on uh was on the wall street journal and uh, it was about the inevitability of a second wave. As with any pandemic, there's almost always a second wave of infections. And um, the projected second wave of this pandemic would be September timeframe in the United States, um, which is, you know, I mean, <laughs> right at the start of the college football season. Um, so not a lot of positive it's just, you know, all signs seem to be pointing at this stage to, at the very least, a truncated, delayed season. The Chad, you'd mentioned um, the games being played in the spring. I just 
don't see how that's possible. So you'd pay a, play a full college football season in the spring, then you'd yeah, come back and play the, 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 like the following February. Yeah, okay, so then, so then you would play the, that complete season. Well, what about the following season? Would that also be played in the spring or did you bring them back in the fall? I that, really don't know. Yeah, I, I think none of these have been fully explored. I don't even think, no. you know, athletic directors and presidents are, I mean, I'm not even sure they flesh these things completely out yet. Right. And, and again, like I'm down for any scenario, but then, okay, say you're playing in the spring. Well, if I'm Justin Fields, didn't I just get drafted number two by yeah. the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> Why right? am I playing? <laughs> because the, the NFL draft would have happened by that point, and the right. NFL would be, you know, and the other is what is the NFL going to do? I mean, we only care about college football. What are they going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I think that, you know, there are obviously a lot of the same, almost all of the same challenges for the NFL as with college football, only you've got paid professionals in that case. Um, and then, as you said, uh, Paige, you've got kind of a much, you've got a commissioner, you've got a governing body. There's a, there's consistency from, you know, one to 32 across all the franchises in the league. And, but, you know, college football before all of this, as you were saying, uh, Paige, is, is, you know, you, you've got these kind of disparate conferences that all operate a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we were bitching about it around the playoffs, right? You've got some conferences that play an FCS opponent right before, you know, their top teams play their rivalry games. The Big Ten refuses to do that, but the SEC makes a practice of that, and it and it actually works to their benefit because you know their top teams, uh, you know, don't have that late season trip up that that uh, you know Ohio State has had in in recent years, uh, going you know trying to make a playoff push. So that's just one example. And now you've got states that all have different views of, of uh, you know, how to proceed. You've got some states that are like, hey, we're good. We're, gonna, we're, we're back open for business. You have other states that are but much more cautious. Obviously, the infections, uh, the infection rate in some states is much greater than the other. If you look at what's happening on the East Coast in New York, you know, relative to other parts of the country. I mean, it's a, I mean that's a total devastation there. What do you guys... Uh what do you guys think about leaving reality for like the next 15 minutes and just talk if like there really was going to be? A yeah. Talk? Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to do that. <laughs> yes. We're definitely. We're <laughs> exactly. I'm starting to get all depressed and get over <laughs> yeah. here. Seriously. I'm, I'm all for that. And we're definitely headed in that direction. I just thought we'd, you know, talk. This I know. Story. I, I, I'm kidding. I just, yeah. So we'll see. Um, uh, you know, I, one other thing I heard Fauci say was that, you know, sometimes these infections just kind of they don't resurface like they you just don't know what the second wave like when when these mutate these viruses uh, when they mutate they, af they they often get weaker and they're not as infectious so nobody really knows for sure not even the experts what's going to happen six to eight weeks from now um, so that does leave the door ajar for a full season or at least a truncated season where meaningful games are played i just so it, it, indulge me just a little bit longer uh, chad if we do go to a I'm truncated season if we do go to a truncated season and we eliminate uh the non-conference for ohio state that would be a major bummer because you know that that matchup with oregon which i think we'd all be looking forward to would not happen uh -huh. but ohio state would begin its season on september the 26th against rutgers right which would, which would be a good opener right rutgers then they'd is have that, an off week is that at home or that at would rutgers? be at home and then they have yeah, an they off week, and then they would host Iowa, go to Michigan State, and then go to Penn State. It should be a rough 
that'd be a rough start to the season, I think. You know, you got you know you got yeah. Rutgers, and then you go Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, all back to back. Then again, if they play the full season, they're getting Oregon in week two. So I guess either way you cut it, you know, you're going to get early big time tests in the schedule. And yeah, in that scenario, Z, like you know, had fields that just you know rewind back to last year. If this would be his first season coming in, I'd be like, oh my god, that's yeah. that's just that's awful to even think about but you know i mean it's it's not cool either way but i mean i i think this team i'm i'm that's what's so disheartening about all of this because i'm so high on this team and everything that's going on in the program right now it's crazy even through a pandemic we're still pulling in the best talent in the country and it's just it's crazy it's crazy so all right well so let's move on to that let's assume as you say chad let's let's what, what did you say let's let's uh, let's, let's just let's, bring a little positivity a little positivity let's play <laughs> we're pretend to, here we're going to fantasy world let's go to fantasy yeah, land, we're going to fantasy right. land. Right, we're going to fantasy. Going <laughs> let's do that fantasy island That's here pretty cool land. fantasy island so yes. you know the, the last the last thing we talked about that we were you know it seems like god it seems like a much smaller problem relative to what we're looking at today but the Ohio State running game is was a, a big topic of conversation on the last pod what's Ohio State going to do Master Teague is injured you got two extremely young guys one coming off an injury uh, in Crowley with an ACL uh, Steel Chambers a guy who's got a handful of carries at the college level we were all you know there's all this hand-wringing about what's going to happen at the running game uh, you guys were less concerned than I was. I was a little bit more concerned because I really think you have to have an impact player at that position. Well, lo and behold, several weeks later, Ohio State gets a commitment from grad transfer Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma. Uh, Sermon was a three-year player, played all three seasons at Oklahoma. Um, he's coming to Ohio State with immediate eligibility. I would assume he'll be your day one starter and will get the lion's share of the carries. Uh, in three seasons at Oklahoma, Sermon ran for 2,076 yards and 22 touchdowns. He averaged 6.1 yards per carry over those three seasons. He also caught 36 passes for 391 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Sermon, an immediate impact player out of Marietta, Georgia, as a freshman for the Sooners. He ran for 744 yards and five touchdowns during Oklahoma's run to the college football playoff in 2017. He played along Baker Mayfield, as you guys remember, and Ohio State fans will, will surely remember Sermon's touchdown catch in Oklahoma's 31-16 win over the Buckeyes in the shoe that season. Uh, Sermon's best season came in 2018. Um, he rushed for 947 yards and 13 touchdowns, helping uh, Oklahoma back to the college football playoff in that season as well. He played along, alongside Kyler Murray. Uh, in 2019, last year, Sermon's production dropped pretty dramatically. Uh, and that, in my opinion, had probably a lot to do with the arrival of Jalen Hurts, who's a run-first quarterback. Uh, he took, well, he took, certainly took some carries away from Sermon. And then Kennedy Brooks, who was their other uh, back Sermon was sharing carries with, he continued to take more carries away from Sermon. Brooks is a little bit more explosive. He's got more breakaway speed. And then uh, Sermon was injured in early November, missed Oklahoma's last four regular season games, and did not play in the postseason. Um, I read that Oklahoma had nothing but glowing things to say about Sermon, and they, they were actually very cooperative in helping him transfer to Ohio State, so he leaves there on good terms. Um, what do you guys think about, about Sermon's impact? Paige, I want to kick this to you. Uh, he's probably not, uh, you know, he's not Zeke Elliott, but he seems like a more than serviceable option at running back for Ohio State. What do you think? 
you teed me up perfect. Oh, poor high stake fans. We don't have a five star, <laughs> you know, top five running back this year. Well, what are we going to do? The sky is falling, right? Which it's like, man, that's another pandemic. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. I mean, honestly, especially with that offensive line, like, I agree. Like, it, it does make a difference to have an impact player. Um, it also, you know, with that offensive line, Justin Fields, the new sheriff in town, Colin plays. I just felt like we were going to be fine. They would figure it out. I mean, mm-hmm. if they had to put that guy caged over or whatever as in his running back, <laughs> we probably would have been fine. And, you know, they, lo and behold, they go out and hit the portal and they, they get exactly what they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is interesting, right? Because two years in a row, our biggest glaring need gets solved by this new transfer portal, um, which is only a harbinger of what's to come, right? I mean, uh, the rich are just going to keep getting richer, and I I think that train has left the station. But, yeah, I mean, I think I I thought they would have been fine, you know, either way. This only just, you know, gives them another – I don't want to disparage the kid, but another, you know, body back there, and they'll spread it out, and Mm -hmm. hopefully Teague can play, and Chambers and Crowley can play, and, and they'll be absolutely fine. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I'm excited about it. I, I, from all I've read, the uh, the staff's really, really up on high on this kid coming in and making an impact right out of the gate. Um, I'm excited about just everything that, that, you know, I mean, Paige said it a couple minutes ago, but that offensive line, man, I mean, I might be able to run fucking 50 yards totally. behind that <laughs> line, you know what I mean? But... I mean, it is something that's definitely going to help us. I mean, I think one of the big things that you mentioned in those stats there, Zach, was the pass and catch ratio that he had. Mm -hmm. And when you've got an offense like we're running right now, I mean, what the hell? You know, Day has got such a great game plan. I think having him be able to catch the football the way he does and then run after, you know, the catch, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great addition. I think it'll give some of the take some pressure off of those uh, younger kids like you know Steel Chambers, Marcus Crowley, mm-hmm. um, while you know why Master is uh, healing from the ACL. But I think that's going to relieve a lot of pressure off them and be able for them to develop a little bit more instead of just having to go in there because Crowley's been hurt. They're they're pretty high on Crowley becoming a you know great back at, mm-hmm. at Ohio State, but. You know, this allows him to take his time, get get his feet wet early. If you know, we are in fantasy land here, so get his feet wet early preseason and you know, uh, fall ball and things of that nature. But so I think that's going to help a lot. It alleviates a lot of pressure from those younger kids who you know, if we not pick up Thurman, then they're in the, they're in the game out of the gate, and you know, yeah. So I think we'll get them, we'll yeah, I, I'm I'm bullish on it. Uh, you know, it was it was interesting I, w- when the transfer happened. Uh, I I read a little bit of what Doug Lamarie of Cleveland.com had to say, and, and Lamarie was kind of down on him a little bit. Uh, I I thought he I thought he poo pooed it uh, the 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 acquisition a little too much. You know, sometimes he can be a little doom and gloom, but I do like that he is you know kind of a, a realist when it comes to uh, you know the Ohio State beat. You know, you got a lot. You got to. A lot of guy, other guys on that B that are just fans like us, and sometimes it's hard to get a gauge on like you know what's really happening, and, and Lamarie's a di- dose of reality. But 
uh, he wasn't as as bullish on Sermon. I think he kind of, you know, his question is, well, you know, if he's so great, then why is he leaving Oklahoma? Uh, you know, why was he losing snaps uh, at Oklahoma? Uh, I, I'm not in that in that uh, the boat with Marie. I think this is actually a perfect marriage if you consider where Sermon is in his career. The fact that Sermon's never been a feature back, he's always shared carries with other backs at Oklahoma. I think that's just the way Oklahoma likes to operate. They don't like to they don't like to go with one guy. They like to they like the running back by committee approach. Um, you know, he has ability. He was an immediate impact player as a freshman. Um, he, actually, he's he's never known what it's not like to reach the playoffs because in all three seasons at Oklahoma, they've reached the playoff. Um, I do think it's interesting that in his last two seasons, he played with a running quarterback. Uh, in 2018, he played with Kyler Murray. 2019, he played with Jalen Hurts. And I think that actually hurts Sermon uh, because you've got a guy, uh, you know, that both of those players, by the way, um, Murray and Hertz ran for a thousand yards in 2018 and 2019, respectively. And then they also had another good back who I'd mentioned previously. Um, that was also, he was sharing, uh, carries with Kennedy Brooks. So Sermon's never been a feature back. Um, I think he's got a, he's, he's got a skill set that complements Justin Fields perfectly because he is a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, and he's also played with athletic quarterbacks. He's got, you know, quite the resume, actually, if you look at having played with Murray and Hertz. Um, he's got playoff experience. And Ohio State needs an experienced back that is going to take the load off of Justin Fields as a runner. I, I think in 2020, should the season happen, uh, Ryan Day is really going to try to limit the use of Justin Fields as a runner. Um, and, you know, he's going to have to lean on Sermon in a major, major way because the other kids on the, on the depth chart, Chambers and Crowley, have very little experience. So this is a great move for Sermon. Um, I actually think he, he compares favorably to Carlos Hyde if you look at his frame. They're almost identical, six feet, 220. Uh, and if you even look at the career arc of, of Hyde, um, he really didn't have his big coming out season until his senior year, the 2013 season. And, um, and also, if you look at Hyde's career uh, per carry average, 6.1, just like Sermon. Um, so neither of them was, you know, uh, is going to overwhelm you with speed and explosiveness. So I think he's going to be much more like a Carlos Hyde than he would be a Zeke Elliott. But more than serviceable, I think he could have a monster year next year if you consider the weapons around him and the opportunities he's going to have, uh, you know, not being the focal point of the offense like Fields will be in that passing game. I think there's going to be huge opportunities. He's had the blocking in his repertoire too. He's yeah, he's be a good blocker. I, so. Honestly, to me, he looks like a Big Ten back. It's funny if you go and look at his tape, uh, you know, against those Big Twelve teams and running that kind of that wide open, you know, Big Twelve offense that Lincoln Riley likes to run. When he gets the ball, I mean, he wants to run dudes over. He looks to me like he's much more suited to playing in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. So I'm bullish on the move. I think, and not only that, he's the perfect stopgap, one-season stopgap solution to 2021, where, as you guys know, we've got two big-time backs coming in on that class. But before we move on to the 2020 recruiting class, because there have been quite a few developments there, do you guys have anything else you want to say about Sermon and the Ohio State running game in 2020? I think you make a good point about uh, playing behind running quarterbacks. I actually hadn't thought about that. So you could absolutely be right about that. And then I also wonder if I'm Sermon, 
did I enter the portal not knowing where I was going or did I see the need that Ohio State had and then I entered the portal? That's a good question, yeah. I, I would I would assume that that was not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you know, it walks like a duck and walks <laughs> like a duck, it's a fucking duck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, Ohio State recruit, and if I'm not mistaken about this, and I've read, and, and Chad, you follow recruiting, recruiting a little bit closer than I do, but... Ohio State was in on Sermon, you know, they they recruited him pretty heavily and they were in on him until yeah. the very end and then he opted to go to Oklahoma. So, you know, they had an ex- a pre-existing kind of relationship having recruited him in high school. But but yeah, I mean, come on, like take a look around. Yeah, Urban was high on the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no doubt, you know, these, these kids all have, uh, you know, they, they keep in touch with each other. They've crossed paths. Now, Sermon, guess what? Where is he from? He's from Georgia. Right. Where's Justin Fields from? Right. I mean, these guys probably know each other, have relationships. You know, they've crossed paths in high school. Um, So uh, anyway, I think it's the best possible outcome for Ohio State. Sorry, go ahead, Paige. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, are you uh, insinuating there was some tampering going on there between (laughs) Justin Fields, a little recruiting? Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) the players can talk, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah, right. It's that's legal in yeah. college. You can't do that in the pros. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, even know. Just, did he even come back like before he made his decision? Did he even come on campus? Because I know he had been there several times before. So I, I mean, I don't, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if he actually came back. To, like you know. Yeah, to, I probably not Thomas because not. what he his his commitment was what late March, and by then you know a lot of the sheltering place orders were. Could, we're in place. Could, could he point Columbus out on a map is what you're asking, Chad. <laughs> I, I think I'm so. I'm clear at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, the prospects are exciting. There. It was one of the things, again, not to, to, to go back to Le Marie, but he had an interesting um, point about, uh, you know, with the transfer portal, and Paige, you were hinting at this earlier, um, uh, you know, will Ohio State ever, like, I can't remember how he put it, but he said, like, will they ever have a need at anything ever again? I mean, between the way they recruit and the transfer portal, will they ever have to worry again about any holes? As you said, Paige, right, they had a, 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 this huge hole at quarterback two years ago. Uh, and then, you know, here comes Justin Fields. And now, as we've seen with the, with the running back situation, man, the, the, the rich get richer. And I, I can never I, – I mean, I can't see – the transfer portal being anything other than a major advantage for, pro- for programs like Ohio State. Yeah, it's going to be the, the same three or four, six, say six programs that, that just use this their, to, to their advantage. And in reality, not that this is a problem for us, but it, in some ways it takes, you can miss in recruiting now. Right. Yeah. Like if something good, you know, whatever, like a couple guys don't pan out and, um, you know, two years down the road, you're trying to fill a hole. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how this is going to dramatically change the landscape in college football, so, especially so, for the top, top programs. Yeah. So you're, you're not only do you already have an unfair advantage when it comes to recruiting as, as a program like Ohio State, but as you say, you can now screw up and, <laughs> you know, have a few kids not work out for you and then have that mistake erased by the transfer Instantly. portal. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's good to be a Buckeye. Uh, you know, it, right. it sucks for the rest of the country, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, in addition to the sermon news, and this all seemed to kind of happen at once, 
Uh, Ohio State got some great news on the recruiting front for the 2021 class at Sermon's position at running back. You know, it's, it's amazing what a difference a month makes. And the cupboard was totally bare as of a month ago, and now it's fully restocked uh, with a player that will help them this year and two players in the 2021 class, Travion Henderson out of Virginia and Evan Pryor out of North Carolina. Uh, Travion Henderson in particular, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch his tape, but I know when I watch tape of college kids, it's really kind of hard for me. I mean, you know, they, they look so much bigger and more physically imposing and more gifted than any of the other kids on the field that, yeah, they're dominating, but it's really hard for the tape to stand out to me or what they're doing to really stand out to me is extraordinary. But Travion Henderson's tape really stood out to me. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at any of that. To me, he looks like J.K. Dobbins with breakaway speed, right? Like once he gets out in the open, you're not going to run that kid down. Um, Chad, what, what, what are your thoughts on Henderson and, and uh, what do you think? Where does he fit in in 2021? Oh, man. Kid, I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen some of the, uh, the highlight reels of that kid. I mean, he's just a, he's an all-around back. He's like, uh, you know what he reminds me of, to be honest with you, is an Eddie George. Wow. I think he's going to be, like, he, he's a beast. I mean, you know, it's so funny because, like, we were in such a, uh, a disarray of, like, you know, why can't Tony Alford get, you know, the premier running back to commit to Ohio State? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Now he gets the number one running back in the country and then the number four in Evan Pryor in the same season. It's crazy. I mean, come on, man. That's just fucking amazing. Yeah, um, so he, he was taking a beating, uh, Alford was. A lot of the yeah. beat writers, a lot of the guys that run the fan sites were were really critical of him the last couple of years. I mean, basically since the, the Dobbins, you know, well, Dobbins was in the fold, but then they had some, you know, they had some misses on the recruiting trail, right? Where some, they got stiff-armed by a, by a few of the elite uh, prospects between Dobbins and, and this season. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's come back in a major way, hasn't he? Yeah, so, everybody's giving him props now. What are they saying um, about that running back from Michigan? Uh, are, would they still take him if he wanted to come, number one? And then number two, even if he doesn't come to high states, so Edwards doesn't go to Michigan. Yeah. Is he still yeah. Donovan? I, I think, I mean, from everything I read, they're done at running back. I mean, are they? me too. Yeah. I, I think it was kind of, I think when Henderson committed, uh, that, was that was the end of, yeah, uh, of Edwards. And uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, how many kids do you need? Uh, especially. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, but, especially with the other guys that they're getting. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's interesting it's it's not only you know hey we'd like you to be a part of this you know class and or you know buckeye family but you better get on board now because there's not going to be that many seats on the bus i mean truly i mean that's one of the ploys they always use but in actuality i mean now it's real like it's yeah, real you, you better commit you know if you're you've got any interest in ohio state and you know i, I read a thing about uh like the the current like that Kyle McCord is like the, you know, already being the cowboy and like, you know, this group of like, you know, getting everybody like on, like, you know, you guys, you should, we're going to, we're building something special here. Get on board. This, this, this 2021 class is going to be ridiculous, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and I think it's been because, uh, you know, the, the kid that just uh, committed the, uh, out of Florida, that uh, Tunis Adele. Uh-huh. 
Out of IMG I mean, Academy, yeah. Yeah, he committed before his, like he was even supposed to come up for his official visit. And he said a lot of it was because of the bond that he's developing with like, you know, Kyle McCord and Jack Sawyer and, and, and these guys. And it's, you know, it's, that's pretty cool, man. So it's like, you know, he just said, hell, I'm just going to commit now, man. I'm on board. This is where I want to go. I, you know, I feel comfortable with everybody right now, the coaching staff, the, the, the players in the class as, as of now. And, you know, and that's to your point, Paige, like, it's like, hey, you know, you better, you better make a decision. I mean, I, I know it's one of the most important decisions of a young, you know, young man's life, but, you know, hey, don't, don't get on board like Edwards. Like, he probably wasn't expecting, like, you know, Henderson and Pryor to commit there right out of the gate, you know? Yeah. Because Ohio State was like, so. so. So this class right now, and, and we still got a long way to go. I mean, it's, you know, April 19th, 2020. Ohio State has 11 kids in this class that are all ranked in the 24-7 top 100. Uh, that's insane. Uh, this this yeah. has the makings of a, an historically great recruiting class, which is pretty amazing when you consider uh, some of the halls Ohio State has had recently, the 2013 class, the 2017 class. Um, I mean, this, is, this appears to be as good, if not better, than those two classes. Um, uh, you know, it's crazy, too, Z, I think, and I'm sure we'll get to it. I don't mean to interrupt you, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. Our, the crystal ball from um, Carlick right now of the remaining recruits, I think like uh, 75% of those are in the top 100. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, J.C. Latham, the kid from uh, Bradenton, Florida, IMG. I mean, he's one of the top offensive linemen uh, on the book, uh, like in you know, high school football right now. Uh -huh. like, they are he's 100 percent like crystal balled him to ohio state but when we get to that point i like to want to point out some of the crystal balls that are still out there that are yet to commit they're probably going to be committing sometime soon well that's great okay so wh why don't we do that if 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 you're ready chad why don't you uh, tell us about some of the crystal balls of kids that have not yet committed that that could okay so these are class. like going back to what we were talking about Paige. like so they're there's the jc latham i mean they've got him a hundred percent uh crystal ball to Ohio state. Um, I think he's like the, uh, number two offensive, number two or number three offensive tackle in the country. Um, is he an IMG know, kid, Chad? Is yeah, he's an IMG kid. Uh, how is that? It's kind of a little bit of a pipeline from IMG. I know. Cause so, Adelaide is from there. And, uh, so is Teron Vincent. Yeah. And then you, another offensive lineman they've got, which is this, you know, what, one of the richest places that we uh, have on the, uh, you know, the field right now is offensive lines. And then, so there's this Jagger Burton, he's uh, out of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, he's an OL, he's 6'4", 271. And it's right now it's 57% on Ohio state, 33% Kentucky. Hmm. So it looks like, I mean, you know, a lot of people think he's coming, but you know, Stoops could uh, get in there and uh, pull him away. Now there's this kid here of, a lot of what's getting cite, cite me is we're getting starting to get some of these defensive linemen like outside the defensive end position because you know obviously that's becoming you know who doesn't want to come and and, and be with uh, Larry Johnson and follow in the footsteps of Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, you know what I mean, and, and mm -hmm. countless others. Yeah. Um, but so there's like you know the, this kid uh, I'm going to probably say his name right, but it's James J T Tumalua. Um, he's out of Washington. Um, he's six four, two seventy seven. 
Um, they have him at 60% crystal ball right now. Um, I guess the, he's five, he's a five-star defensive lineman wow. out of Washington. So that's, that's, that excites me. Is that, that uh, Washington Marcos, State or D.C., Chad? No, Washington State. State, okay. Got it. So they have it at 67% Ohio State, 33% Washington. So there's more help on the way in this class, which is pretty frightening. Because, yes. right. I mean, if it ended today, right, if, the, if they signed this class today and that's all they got, that you'd have 11 top 100 players in this class. Yeah. <laughs> Just and, as and it like is. Said, so Latham, the first three that I've mentioned already are also in the top 100. Okay. Wow. So, you know, if they, if according to the crystal balls are correct, that's 14 you have in the top 100. Wow. Um, they're looking at it's like this Kamar Wilkinson who uh, – He's also an IMG kid. Uh, he just decommitted from uh, Florida a while back, and it looks like Combs has got him on. They've got him at 70%. He's a defensive back. Um, so they looked at him. He's going to commit. Um, that Hudson Wolf, the tight end out of uh, Georgia, or no, Tennessee, they've got him at 50% to Ohio State. He's a four-and-a-half-star recruit. Um, now here's another one that's got me super excited. Um He's a defensive lineman out of New Jersey, Bergen Catholic, 6'3", 300. Who does that remind you of uh, the last couple weeks or a couple years? Um, what's Togi? I don't know. Michael Bennett. Oh, Michael Bennett. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. a Michael Bennett type player, 6'3", 300. That's a big They've dude. They've got him 100% committed to Ohio State crystal ball. Wow. That's fantastic. I mean, he's in the top 100. So there's 15. And then you've got another wide receiver out of Washington that just Amiga, what we need. <laughs> it, it up. Uh -huh. Yeah, they've got him at like I mean he's at uh, fifty percent Washington, twenty five percent with my guys. And as you can see, and then there's another defensive back out of Bowling Green, Kentucky. They have him at fifty percent. So I mean it's crazy. And then you've got that another wide receiver, Troy Stiletto. It's, it's neck and neck between us and Clemson. They got it at fifty and fifty. So. Wow. You know, that's that's the remaining recruits and out of and he's in the top 102 stiletto is. So you've got another like to say that those crystal balls come to fruition. You're going you're gonna to have 16 to 17 players in the top 100 and you're Wow, that's crazy. Shit. I mean, even that's insane, isn't it? <laughs> day, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, it's just, I, heart, you've got Heartline, Day, you've got Combs. Uh, stud. I mean, you know, like two years ago, like every, I remember us being on the podcast or, or our text thread and email thread being like, oh, stud's done. Get him out of here. And now yeah. he's bringing in the best offensive lineman in the country, you know? So it's, it's great, man. It's just uh, recruiting right now is so insane. Yeah. Bay is the man. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because, you know, when Day took over, um, one thing that he had promised to do is recruit the state of Ohio better, right? Or is make the state of Ohio uh, more of a priority. Now, you've got the, the, the headliner of this class is Jack Sawyer out of Pickerington, the defensive end. He looks like to, to be, you know, the next great defensive end uh, in, in line. Uh, but then as you go down the list and you look at some of the other recruits and where they're from, you, Travion Henderson's from Virginia, Kyle McCord's from Pennsylvania, Donovan Jackson's from Texas. Uh, Adelaide's from Florida. Marvin Harrison Jr. Here's another wide receiver coming to the fold. In addition to the kids they already have in the 2020 class, you got this Marvin Harrison's son coming in. He's yeah. from Pennsylvania. Um, you got a kid from you got Missouri in there. You've got North Carolina in there. Evan Pryor. So uh, Nashville, Tennessee. That, yeah. So Reed so Kerr, you know the linebacker out of Ironton, Ohio. Like he's another one. Like 
you know, he picked us over Alabama and all the other big ones. He's right. another Ohio boy, but it's very far, you know, like you said, there's not that many from Ohio. Uh, yeah, and that's the point I was trying to make, that, you know, he's yeah. he's made up Ohio more of a priority, or at least he said so, but he's he's clearly recruiting nationally in much the same way that, that Urban Meyer was, which is great news, right? Um, so uh, interesting. Hey, look, I mean, you know, it's 15 months before those kids come to campus. It's hard for me to get too excited just because it's so far down the road. Right. But I mean, if we're looking at and we've talked about this before, um, you know, can Ryan Day sustain the same level that uh, Urban Meyer set in his seven years at Ohio State? I mean, in the short term, uh, it appears that he's he's managing to do that, uh, both in recruiting and what's happened what's happened on the field so far. So that's pretty right. exciting. To that point, too, Z, like 2022 is already like starting off to be like, I mean, I know that's insane, but there's a lot of kids right now that are like Ohio State's like, you know, where I'm with. So it's I OK, think Chad, we're still in fantasy land. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I like fantasy land. <laughs> we're going to be back to reality in about another like 15 minutes. And that's oh, gonna yeah. Be Reality comes. Well, I'll be wearing now. a mask when I go out the fucking door. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think if you're a, if you're an Ohio State fan or a college football fan in general, right? You could you can go to Fantasyland, or you can look backwards. And and you know, and certainly that's what a lot of fans have been doing. I'm guilty of it as, as as guilty of it as anybody is watching old games on YouTube, watching some of these replays on the Big Ten Network. There was an interesting piece on I don't know if you guys saw it on ESPN which was a look back at the 2015 season. And, you know, yeah. we, we've covered this before on our text threads and in emails, but I don't think we've really explored it on the podcast. Uh, it was Heather Dinich of ESPN.com that wrote about the 2015 season, how ridiculously loaded uh, that roster was. And, oh, by the way, they had, a, they had a, a freshman named Joe Burrow who nobody knew about or was a total afterthought, uh, you know, on the roster that year. Um, but what I thought was interesting, I guess when I when I saw the headline, I was like, "Ooh, all right. You know, uh, you know, they're going to go back and look at, you know, this just confounding 2015 season, this absolutely loaded Ohio State roster defending national champions. I think the most talented team I've ever seen at Ohio State in my lifetime. And they didn't make the playoffs. What in the hell happened? I think we're all still trying to figure out, like, what exactly happened Um and then I read the piece, and I was actually a little disappointed. I mean, she, she interviewed a bunch of former players. Uh, she, Urban Meyer agreed to be interviewed for it. She got some, some you know, quotes from him. Um, you know, uh, Beck and uh, Tim Beck was, was uh, interviewed. And, um, you know, but in the end, nobody really gave any juicy quotes. And I didn't find it that revealing um, Northern Illinois coach had a pretty interesting uh, quote when, you know, because they also interviewed coaches that coached against Ohio State that season. And uh, Northern Illinois coach at the, t at the time said that they felt like Ohio State was making a mistake starting Cardell Jones. And they felt they had a chance in that game. And that was actually a very close game, if you guys remember, um, and that, that they had made, you know, a bad decision going with Jones, which, you know, of course, that was that was really what was the catalyst for that disappointing season was the, how the quarterback situation was bungled by Meyer pretty much from day one. Anyway, I just wondered if you guys read that piece, and I thought it would be fun just to look back for a few minutes before we shut it down today uh, at that 2015 team. Uh, Paige, did you happen to see, read any of that? 
Yeah, I, I did read it, um, and I agree with you. The the only thing I re- that I thought that was somewhat insightful was that quote by that coach. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was hoping for and, more of that. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and what was interesting to me is. And even as I heard you just describe it, I would have bet my life he'd have said the other thing. Or the, thank God they were playing Barrett and not playing Cardell. Right. Which then just makes me think, right, if you have three starting quarterbacks, because if I'm not mistaken, Braxton Miller was still in the mix on that, mm-hmm. then we really didn't have one quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if none of those guys and, – and then to even think about the fact that Burrow was on that team, not that – you know, he should have been playing. That's, you know, guys develop quarterback later and stuff like that. But that is just that that is when you really think about it, you had those four guys um, and they couldn't figure it out. But, you know, to me, to be honest with you, as I read that article, I was comparing it to last year's team. And I don't know that you can make any definitive argument that that 2015 was any better than last year's team. Mm. I mean, I I mean, okay, let's let's just look at some of the most important – Zeke and Dobbins. Okay, I'll give you the edge there to Zeke, but Dobbins was a beast. Yeah. Um, uh, Bosa to Chase Young. I don't know. I might take Chase Young. <laughs> I mean, we got Jeff Okuda on this team. Yeah. Um, and then at the most important position on the field, there's no debate who you're taking. You're Justin taking Fields. Justin Fields yeah. over all of those guys every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yeah. So – I look back at that 2015 season, and yes, they blew it, and they, uh, I mean, that was a missed opportunity, but that's also coming off of, you know, a lot of changes on the coaching staff, Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, the most, yeah, the most important piece of that was it's hard to motivate those guys after they climb the mountaintop. They have to come back to school for one more year. They all probably were thinking about going pro, not getting hurt. And Meyer couldn't get him motivated. And then, okay, let's then look at some of the position coaches that he had. And you could probably make a direct line correlation to that was the beginning of the slide for Meyer in that regard, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's been well documented that, you know, you got Bill Davis and you got Zach Smith and, right? And he was delegating authority probably much more, which then it takes me full circle to last year that, I think that team last year was as good, maybe not better, but right there. And that was another missed opportunity. And they just played a bad game, you know, against a team that needed 10 mistakes to beat us. And they got all, you know, 10 breaks. That's true. I think if you're comparing 2015 to, to, to last year, the 2015 was much better at linebacker. And I would think overall, much better, a better back seven. I know that, you know, Jeffrey Akuda was the, was probably the best of all those. If you're comparing the two secondaries. Um, but I think overall the back seven um, was much stronger and it would you know be hard to, you know, that defense last year, uh, would more than likely not have given up the game-winning score in four plays. Uh, you, you would not see Travis Etienne going nuts uh, against that Ohio State back seven. You know, Darren Lee and and uh, Raquan McMillan, those guys would Von Bell would not be letting that that sort of thing happen. But yeah, I mean, we're splitting hairs, right? Both teams were yeah. loaded. Now, you know, it, you know, I had mentioned the 2013 recruiting class and the 2017 recruiting class. Those are the two. I mean 
stellar, stellar recruiting classes. And those were the backbone of those two teams, right? The 2013 class was the backbone of that 2015 class or the 2015 team, sorry. And then the 2017 class was the backbone of last year's playoff team. Um, yeah, it, Chad, what, what, what were your thoughts reading that piece and, and looking back at the 2015 season? You know, I mean, I don't even really want it like, like relive it, but I, I you know, it, I didn't think I, I the, we were talking about the juicy quotes of, 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 amongst the players and whatnot. I, I think they know they all fucked up and dropped the ball and they should have repeated. And, you know, so really what, like, what was there to say? I mean, they, I think they realized that they let themselves down. They let the coach down and most of all, they let us down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, it was tough. I mean, because like, you know, we, we were the most talented team in the country, I believe. And, and you know, but so I, that's all I'm going to say on that. But this is why we're still in fantasy land. Right? I oh, want yeah. this season to happen so badly because <laughs> of how last year ended. Because I think this team is going to be so motivated to like just come out and be like, listen, this one got away from us, man. Like we should have beat Clemson, and we're going to just that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this each game, and then we're going to get and we're going to go. I, I, I'm just so excited. So just please, Lord, let yeah, me cash in one of my gold coins and, and just let's have, let's have college football, please. I agree. I, I don't know if you guys, and I think I said this on the tweet. I, they played that Ohio State-Penn State game. It doesn't matter what I was – but the whole time I was watching that game, it was just bringing flashbacks to last season. And, you know, if, if it bothers us as much as it does, to your point, Chad, in fantasy land, God, it must bother them. Yeah. immensely and if this season doesn't happen whew, man that's a lot of motivation that uh this would be a definite missed opportunity yeah yeah are, I, we, back, are we back in reality i think uh, we're no. back i think we've come full circle now we're back in reality and, uh, it's i'm back gonna have to, to get start drinking now it's like <laughs> what, it's 12 30 so it's after 12 start drinking <laughs> uh, so yeah well i mean a lot of good news on top of you know a lot of uncertainty and that's what everyone's faced with now it's it's not just ohio state that's facing the prospect of potentially not having a 2020 season or certainly or maybe even a truncated season all right boys well hey been, all right it's great to be I'm on gonna go for a bike ride all right yeah, have a great boys, day have a great out. sunday boys we'll talk soon all right, all right man good to Later. see you guys good to see you guys bye bye